you guys, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey hosting today, and I am so excited to be interviewing Tammy Gustafson. Tammy, thank you for joining me on our podcast. Oh, so happy to be here. You guys, Tammy is a trauma-informed licensed professional counselor. She's a coach and a speaker. She's got almost 15 years of experience. She founded Betrayal Healing, which is an international coaching business, and she's the host of the Betrayal Healing Conference. And she loves helping women pick up the broken pieces of their hearts after sexual betrayal to find their strength, navigate the counterintuitive process of healing, and to discover new ways to live with purpose, joy, and confidence. Yes, please, Tammy. That's (laughs) awesome. I'm so excited to interview you about boundaries. You guys, this episode, in this episode, we're going to talk about boundaries, what they are, what they aren't. Ooh, tough topic, so needed right? And what, Tammy, what is it that got you interested in teaching on this topic? Why is this a passion of yours? Oh gosh. You know, it's just, it's so vital for healing, especially after betrayal. Like, I don't know that you can make it through this process really without having boundaries. And I think it's so tricky because nobody ever teaches us to have boundaries, right? And especially I would say it's women, But a lot of the messages we get either that are uh, spoken to us or that we absorb from maybe our family of origin, maybe our faith community, a lot of the messages we get about boundaries are negative, like they're bad or they're selfish or I'm not supposed to focus on me at all and I'm just supposed to give myself for everybody else and take everybody's stuff. And so I think we come into life, we come into marriage, and certainly when we hit betrayal, most of the time, not equipped to really engage boundaries and know how to do them. Absolutely. So sometimes we think they're mean or they're like, I I had um, one woman in my betrayal trauma groups who her pastor told her that boundaries were unbiblical. And I'm like, Oh, like we were created with boundaries. Like my skin is a boundary. This is where I end, (laughs) you know, it's like, and And there's boundaries all throughout creation. I mean, it's just so essential to health, not just in betrayal, right? But in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. I love that what we learn in the betrayal journey can be applied for health in the whole rest of our lives. So first of all, um, if someone is brand new to setting boundaries or they're just not clear on how to do it, where can they start? Mm, it's a great, great question. So first of all, I would say I would, I would start really by asking yourself, what are my beliefs about boundaries? Because if you do have those negative beliefs about boundaries, it's going to impact how you move forward. So I think really pausing and, and taking inventory of saying, Hey, what were the messages that I did get? And because a lot of times we will operate off of those messages, whether we realize it or not. And so once you make a list of those, then really taking the time to ask yourself, of, do I believe these? Do I believe these? And is this how I want to move forward? Mm-hmm. And so starting with that, because you can make the decision then of like, okay, maybe I got all these messages in the past, but moving forward, I realize now, like I have got to have boundaries And I, and especially with betrayal, like I know I need some boundaries in this. And so then you can move forward kind of an empowered sense of creating your own path forward. So Mm. I'd say that's a step number one. Absolutely. Um, 
when I think about boundaries, one of the things that first comes to my mind is to create a sense of safety. Like I said, our skin is a boundary. Like the reason we have skin is as a barrier from like germs and other toxic stuff out in the world, right? And that's why we need to deal with a cut if so that we don't have the germs come in and like inf- get an infection. We have to clean it and all that. And betrayal is the ultimate like mm. major incision down the entire abdomen, right? Yes, or perhaps totally. amputation. Ah. <laughs> uh. Right. I mean, so like all the more reason why we need such care over that area and way more than just a Band-Aid. <laughs> Absolutely. And so don't you think a lot of partners when they first hear about boundaries or think about boundaries, especially when we are in that like traumatized state, we feel like it is either an attempt to punish or an attempt to um, teach him a lesson or it is... Um, a way to control or try to get him to stop doing X, Y, or Z. And why is that not actually accurate for what boundaries are really about? Yeah, I do think that that is kind of a misconception about boundaries. And uh, it makes sense why. It makes sense why we come that way. But we want to, we want to shift that. And to say, I love how you equated it to safety because that's so true. Like the goal at boundaries is to create safety. And the goal of boundaries, boundaries actually allows you to engage in the relationship more freely than if you don't have boundaries. Because the boundaries provides that kind of safe, um, that safe line. And then it gives you room to kind of interact in that space up to that line. And so it allows you to act to, yeah, to interact more freely. It also sets up uh, a warning flag where if, for instance, your husband crosses a boundary, that Mm. is a sign. Then, you know, immediately like who triggers kind of go off and going, there is something wrong here. But I think another thing that's really hard when you come into boundaries where, you know, that question of if you, if you're new to boundaries or don't really know how the question of like, well, what boundaries do I set? Right. And I think that's another one because a lot of times we're not sure. We're like, ooh, do I set that boundary of like, of punishing him? Do I set the like, hmm, I know I need a boundary. So actually just, I think I'll set one there, kind of arbitrarily set a boundary sometimes. And then we start, and then we think of boundaries a lot of times early on as a wall. So we're like, well, just kind of randomly pick a spot and I'll build a wall. And then that'll be my boundary. And the problem is the first, the first push pushback that you get those boundaries fall. Mm -hmm. So how I approach boundaries is a little bit different. Okay. So I approach boundaries from, uh, from the avenue of, you know, if I put my arms out in front of me in a circle, okay, like I'm hugging a tree. Okay. And I think of what makes me me. Okay. And everything that makes me me is in that circle right? So this is my successes, my failures, my heartbreak, my joys, my dreams, my favorite ice cream, right? Everything is in that circle. And then for that, that, and then your arms around it, that's where you end. And that's where the other person begins. Okay. So I think for boundaries, we actually have to start with ourselves. And so if I look at that and I think, okay, everything that's in my circle That is mine to nurture. That is mine to own. That is mine to to really focus on and take responsibility for. And the thing with that is that everybody else has that circle too. 
Okay. So when we're talking in the realm of betrayal, I have my circle. That's what I'm responsible for. My husband has his circle and that's what he's responsible for. And it's really important to know like, okay, my emotions are in my circle. I need to deal with those, but his emotions are in his circle and he has to deal with them. So almost being able to visualize this idea of, I am not responsible for everybody else's stuff, right? And the problem in that circle, like you said, kind of creates that boundary that just like the skin creates that boundary. But a lot of times where we come in as is that our circles are either super small because we don't want to take up space, you know, in this world, or our arms are wide open and we have really no sense of self. So our stuff kind of gets pushed onto somebody else and their stuff kind of gets pushed onto us. You know, we take on our husband's stuff and, you know, and it just gets messy. And I would say that's the majority, that's how the majority of us come into life and come into boundaries with really no idea of, okay, what is mine to own? Like, where is the line between me and my husband? Like, how does this work? Mm. So the first thing too, is we got to close that circle and really kind of get clear of who we are and what's in our circle. And then also if we have a tiny little circle, we have to expand that and allow us to step into the fullness of who we are really made to be. Mm, That's beautiful. So how does one do that? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. So for, if your arms are wide open, okay. If everybody's stuff is coming your way and your stuff is going to them. That really, I think it takes it, it, it takes some sitting down and some self-reflection and going, okay, uh, what does make me me? Okay. And even visualizing closing your arms into that circle, I think is helpful and going, okay, if I, if I have this space, that is me, what is in my circle? And even just start listing it. Like, what are the things that I like? What are my areas of vulnerability? What are my strengths? Sometimes I tell clients, you know, counseling clients or coaching clients, I'm like, take take some personality inventories, you know, like take the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, and that can start to give verbiage because a lot of times people, uh, women in particular, may not know who they are, maybe have not had the, the opportunity in life to really take the time to focus on what makes me, me. And what do I think about this? What do I think about, you know, X, Y, or Z? But so you just start even making a circle on a paper and you start filling in like what makes me, me, right? And then for those who have a really small circle, a lot of times this is due to, gosh, I want to be invisible because I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm afraid of being rejected or I'm afraid of being hurt. And so just starting to notice that piece of going, you get to take up space in this world. You get to take up space in this world. You were, you were designed to take up space in this world. And so a lot of times that might be having people that know and love you come alongside you to really kind of experientially help you take up space that your needs matter, your wants matter, your safety matters, what you desire matters. And a lot of times that that um, having people who love you can help you fill that space and step into it because it's scary sometimes. Super scary, especially when your person, the one who you thought loved you the most has betrayed you. And then many of us after betrayal experience rejection 
from Mm -hmm. people that we love or people who we thought loved us because there's so much misunderstanding, so much fear, so much judgment, so hard, right? To be in a space where you are unconditionally loved after betrayal and really hard to give that love to yourself because you're so traumatized and confused. So this is not easy business, is it? No, not at all. And there's just so much compassion. I want to offer so much compassion to listeners who are in that space right now, because I get it. That's where I came from. That's where I started was this little tiny circle, right? Here's here's a um, a secret, a trick that is not any easier, but, but it's important, mm-hmm. is that a lot of times when we have that little circle, it's also tied to our self-worth, right? Where we don't, we just, maybe we struggle with self-worth. So anger and self-worth are tied together. And the reason why I say that is because there, there takes a certain degree of like, no, wait a second, this is not okay. Like, that's not okay that I'm being treated this way. Or no, like I really do deserve to say something. Like there's there's this kind of righteous indignation that kind of wells up inside that's kind of tied to the anchor of going, hey, no, this is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And so, but that is the anger. That's where anger and where self-worth tie in. And when I see a woman who is struggling with self-worth or struggling with that small circle, my first question for them is, what's your relationship like with your anger? And almost without fail, they're like, oof, yeah, no, not really connected to my anger or I don't want to do anger because that's really scary. Mm-hmm. And so so when women start to step into and reconnect with their anger, and I'm talking in a healthy way, mm-hmm. um, then their self-worth just naturally grows, their ability to step into it, their ability coming back to the the boundaries, their ability to create boundaries is uh, becomes easier, not easy, but easier. Mm. And so those two things are linked. Mm, that is really important because I feel like some of us obviously come into marriage with not great self-worth, you know, family of origin issues and whatnot. And some of us are are fairly self-confident when betrayal hits us, but then Betrayal has a way of, for many of us, like crushing our sense of self-worth, at least temporarily. So that is tricky. I agree with you. Like we have an exercise in Women in the Battle in the program that that I run um, where we draw our anger and and name her or him or it. Oh, I like uh-huh. it. Yeah. Ooh. And then, like one woman in one of my groups, hers is named Spitfire. And so she'll talk about Spitfire, like that part of her that she allows to because if we don't have anger, it's like we're, it's like a non-human thing to not have anger. I mean, it's, we're, especially when there's injustice, anger is a very yes. natural, normal, and necessary to empower us to take action, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you work on that first before you work on boundaries. Is that what you're saying? You help a woman connect with her anger first so that she can be empowered enough to make the boundaries, or do you do them side by side? I do it side by side because I don't think you can do one at a time. And that's the thing about betrayal. There are so many things that are just you're hit with all the time or all at once. And there's so many, there's so many ways of walking forward that it's just, it's all at once. Like I wish we had that. Uh, I wish we had that time where we can be like, Hey, let's pause. Let me work on this. But it's, it's trial by fire. Right. 
It is. Yes. And very early on, I mean, when women are dealing with betrayal, like one of the first boundaries a lot of women need is some space. Cause like the whole skin thing, again, if you had third degree burns all over your skin, you wouldn't want people touching you. Like you would need a boundary around no touching unless you're dressing my bandages. Right. And similarly, it's like betrayal is like being shot with a blowtorch by your husband in some ways, right? I mean, the injury, the pain. Absolutely. And so a lot of women need that space right away. And you're right. They don't have the luxury of waiting on like reflecting on my self-worth. They need space and they need it now. They need a boundary now. So what are some of the first boundaries that you tend to help women work on when mm. they first come to you and they're newly traumatized? Yeah, boy, that's a great question. Um, I think that space is a big one, but honestly, I don't have a list that I help them go through. How I help them identify their boundaries is it's usually very much a felt sense. Like women usually guide the boat there, right? Saying like, I know that I need X, Y, or Z, but here's a couple that I might uh, throw out or that I used or um, that could be helpful. Uh, I love the space one. I think it is so, and that could be physical touch, you know, that could be a proximity space that might be, you're out of the bedroom, you're out of my bed, you're out of my house, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to heal sometimes when the person that hurts you so much is right in your face. Yeah. Because I, your amygdala is constantly shooting like, you know, d- danger, danger, drive, right? Yeah. 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 So I think that's it. But really what I look at is if we go back to our circle, you know, whether the circle is this nice closed circle, whether it's small, whether arms are open, it doesn't matter. We're all growing. We're all growing uh, um, through this process. But coming back to the circle, when something happens, okay, when there's a disclosure, uh, when there's a discovery, when there's whatever the case may be, fill in the blank, right? This is where it comes back. And it's like almost, I almost visualize putting like a little hood down uh, around you and around your circle and being able to pause and go like, okay, time out. What just happened? And how do I feel about it right now? And going, okay, gosh, like I just, I just discovered this. Like, oh my gosh, like every, what's going on inside of me? Like I am I feel shattered. I am confused. I'm in shock. Like I am, I I don't even know what to think. And so from there, taking that time out, taking that kind of going back to your circle. And then what's really important is the next question. And that next question is, what do I need to feel safe? Yes, that is such an important question. I'm going to repeat it because it's so important. What do I need to feel safe? Oh my gosh. Tell me more, Tammy. So that becomes the guiding, uh, the guiding light to your next step. So when you go in there, something happens, you kind of do a pause out, you pause, you go to your circle and you're like, wow, I am on fire right now. Like, I'm so scared. What do I need to feel safe? Yes. The answer to that question is your boundary and it's your next step. So what do I need to feel safe? Maybe that is space. Maybe that is you don't touch me. Maybe that is uh, I can't have sex with you right now. Maybe that is I need uh, I need professionals involved immediately. Maybe that is I need 
uh, I need to get my dog. I need to hug my dog. Like I need something like physically to, you know, to feel comfort, whatever that is. And there's no right or excuse me, no right or wrong here, but that's your next step. And so, but the important piece is where it becomes a boundary is when you take that, the answer to that question and you verbalize it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that leads me to another great question that you shared with me, which is how do you communicate boundaries? This is a tough one. Totally tough, right? So I would say, I want to give a caveat here first that um, evaluating the safety, your safety and the safety of your husband uh, is really important because for some giving boundaries uh, will be received. Uh, and that and that makes it a whole lot easier. If your husband, however, if you set a boundary and you are afraid that he is going to be violent or he is going to uh, like verbally attack you and whatnot, then that that leads to a little bit different story. And that might be where the boundaries maybe are not verbalized as much, or maybe the boundary is I have got to get away and get to safety first. So I just want to put that caveat out there that really what I'm what I'm saying next is for the people who feel like there is some degree of safety. Of course, there doesn't feel like there's any safety after betrayal, but that degree of if I if I'm not going to be physically safe, if I'm not going to be emotionally, sexually safe, then that's that's a different conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. so going going back in, then I would say then then verbalizing those boundaries, really what you're going to do is you're going to verbalize what you need to feel safe and say, hey, I don't feel safe right now. And what I need to feel safe is fill in the blank. Okay. And, and so that is the heart of the boundary. That is the strength behind the boundary instead of kind of arbitrarily of, I think I need to do this. No, this boundary is rooted in you, in your experience, your felt sense, your need for safety. And then you are verbalizing that and saying, hey, I need you to X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Jake Porter has this, introduced this wonderful uh, part to me of boundaries, this idea of choice, okay? That when you verbalize a boundary, you have all sorts of choices that you can pick from, right? What do I need to feel safe? Do I want him to go? Do I want him to stay? Do I want him to X, Y, or Z? But also this idea of choice for him. And so verbalizing, and I think it's important, this was an important piece that he introduced that I loved, is when you give a boundary, when you verbalize a boundary saying, hey, for me to feel safe, I need you to be out of my bedroom, out of our bedroom. I need you to stay in the spare room. And I know that I can't make you do that. That is your choice, whether or not you're going to do that or not. But if you don't, then I will need to, then this is what I'm going to do to keep myself safe. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's like first powered boundary, because it's not about me trying to control you. It's about me trying to be safe. And I will make a choice if you refuse to honor my need for safety. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between the punishment and the safety piece is that this is not to punish him. This is the core is I need safety. Mm. So I need you. I'm really requesting. I'm really offering you the opportunity to have a healing experience for you to honor my boundaries. We may or may not say this, but this is true. Like we are offering them the opportunity to step up 
and help here. But if they don't, you still have that boundary need. You still have that safety need. And so then um, if you don't do this, then I need to do this. So if you don't leave the bedroom, I need to leave the bedroom, right? So. And that that gives you information, doesn't it? Like if he refuses and he tells you you're controlling and he turns it on you and basically makes you the bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) That really gives you some information that his heart is not in a place of sincere remorse and recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that's new data for you. And then you can take that in and go, okay, all right, that's, that's a hit. Let me go back to my circle timeout. Like, let me regroup with myself. Like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do with that? Like, what do I do with my The fact that my husband is not willing to help me stay safe in this. Now, what do I need? And so this is a constant process. Like boundaries are very fluid in this sense. It's not a wall. It's Mm -hmm. not a, a cement wall we're building. This is a, gosh, I'm taking in new information all the time. And so I get to adapt. Um, I get to adapt as I go and I get to see what I need because what I need, what I want, my safety is important. Mm. It is. It's so important. So what, what do you suggest when there's pushback, right? And, and let's say he's a wordsmith and mm. he starts to turn it around on you, right? If a a woman is communicating her boundaries and he starts to do some verbal mental gymnastics (laughs) and all of a sudden you realize I am not the bad guy here. Why are you accusing me? Right. Um, Then what? I know you said, I know what you said was like, then I make a next step, right? To change pivot and provide safety for myself because he's not willing to help. But don't you think it's really easy, especially in early stages of recovery, for a woman to sit there and try to listen to his verbal assault, even if it's not yelling, right? Mm, yeah. To push back and to even maybe be open to accepting some of what he's saying as truth. Okay, so what to do about that? Like the psychological boundary Uh, that we need. Oh my gosh, that's so hard, right? It is so hard. And it is so common. And really, I think what we're talking about right now is gaslighting. You're, yeah, it's absolutely gaslighting. You're right. Right. And I'm I'm so glad you brought that up though, because absolutely. I mean, that happens a lot. It's it's a big, it's a resistance to boundaries, but it looks like, he's just sharing his point and that maybe I do have weaknesses that I need to deal with too, but then he gets out of actually stepping up and providing the safety. Yeah. So let's talk a little, let's, let's, do you mind if we uh, divert a little bit to gaslighting here? Yes. So gaslighting, um, the result of gaslighting is that we feel crazy and like it's our fault. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And for gaslighting, for those who may have heard or may have not have heard this, that term actually comes from, I think it was play, maybe it was a movie, I don't remember, where this husband was trying to make his wife feel crazy. So mm-hmm. it was back in the days of the gas where the the lamps were gaslit. So he'd go around in the house and he would turn them all down just a little bit. And then she's like, gosh, it feels dark in here. Like, what's going on? He's like, it's not dark in here. What are you talking about? And she's like, huh? All right. Well, 
hmm, maybe it's just me, you know, then he'd go around and he'd turn him down more. And so it just messed with her reality and where she had to start to accept a new reality and feeling like she was going crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So let's back it up to betrayal. Whether the husband realizes he's doing it or not, whether it's manipulative or not, the result is the same where it's like, hey, we're having a conversation. And then all of a sudden he's saying, well, yeah, but you did X, Y, or Z, or yeah, well, you're just punishing me and like, blah, 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 blah. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, am I doing that? Like, I don't mean to be doing that, but maybe he's right. And maybe I can see that he's getting punished. And that's not all of a sudden the shift, the focus is him or on you. Right. And then he has got free, Scott free is that term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let, let's, let me list a few gaslighting things for those, because I think identifying it is really hard, especially if it's been going on a long time. So blame shifting when you're talking about something he has done and all of a sudden the conversation is back on you. That's, that's blame shifting. There have, are there things that you could improve on? Are there things all that we're all, all human, these. of course, yeah. but that's not the point. This is not the time to talk about it. So saying like, Hey, we can come back and talk about that some other time if we need to right now, we're talking about you and where we're talking about what I need to feel safe. And so shifting that back gaslighting, uh, the verbal attacking, which you're talking about, the line, whether that's minimizing it, whether that's omitting things, like we all know, we all know about the line when it comes to betrayal, right? Um, this could be stonewalling, where it just where he just stonewalls you or gives you the silent treatment. This might be uh, withdrawing from you. Mm -hmm. um, they might be, uh, let's see, being passive. That's another way that, that gaslighting can happen. So all these things, if any of these feel familiar, right? Um, these could be techniques that he uses, again, maybe consciously or unconsciously to shift the focus or being defensive. Whew, that's a huge one, right? Shifting the focus. So when that happens, okay, I, how I think identifying that is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens is you will feel it afterwards that you will feel crazy. Mm -hmm. And so what I would encourage all the listeners to do is to sit down and go, okay, if you're like, Ooh, no, yeah, no, my husband does that. And I remember like that happened last night. And I just remember feeling like crazy and confused and, you know, whatever the case may be, I want you to go back to a time where you recognize that you were being gaslit. And I want you to, I want you to think about what that felt like in your body. Mm -hmm. Where did you feel that in your body? And most women can be like, oh yeah, no, I felt it in my chest or I felt it, whatever. And then think about what did you, what were you thinking about? Like, what were the patterns? Or, and usually what you can see is that there are patterns of feelings. There are patterns of thoughts that you feel when you are, when you are being gaslit. And why that's important is because you will be able to, in the future, you will be able to recognize in your body and in the patterns of your thinking that you are being gaslit long before you're going to be able to figure it out with your head. Mm. And so then what do you do? Right. When you, like when the first time you realize, oh, I'm, this is gaslighting, like, and you're in the moment, you set a boundary and you step away. Like, I'm not willing exactly. to talk about this with you right now because this is not a productive conversation. 
Exactly. And a lot of times. So it comes back around to boundaries, doesn't it, Tammy? Yes. A lot of times those are the conversations that we can say, here's another boundary. I am not comfortable talking about this without a third party or without a professional present. And that's a boundary too. Beautiful. And once you start using boundaries, right? You realize like, oh man, I need these like all the time. They're keeping me safe. They're keeping me sane. They're 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 gonna help me start to restabilize in the next phase of recovery. Yes. It's so important. Absolutely. And this gives you the ability to kind of have that space, what we were talking about at the beginning, having that space to heal mm-hmm. and to really get your feet back underneath you. Because if you're if you're being tossed around or if you're can, or, you know, with the gaslighting that's confused or whatnot, then it's really hard to get traction in healing. Yeah. And I also want to say, uh, and just cover everyone with so much grace. This is not, uh, we're not looking for perfection here. This is not uh, oh, I got it. So now I should be able to do it perfectly. You do not have to be perfect in this. You don't have to be perfect. There's no way to be perfect in this. Right. And I don't think there's a way to do it entirely alone in the beginning. Like, don't you, I mean, I know in my groups that I lead, like I see women have aha moments when they hear each other and I see them support each other. And sometimes like they, we need to go to somebody else who knows this issue a professional or a peer in, in, in a, if we're in a betrayal trauma recovery group and, and talk it out. Like we can't figure it out when we stay locked in our own minds right? Like I like to treat my mind like a bad neighborhood and I don't go there alone. (laughs) That's not, that's not mine. I got that from somebody else, but I love it. I say it when, you know, I mean, over time we grow in mental strength and confidence and we can work things out on our own. But when we're in early phases of trauma, we really need to get out of the head and go to other people and be like, okay, this is what happened and talk it through. Sometimes just the act of verbalizing it to somebody else and watching their facial reactions can be all we need to go, oh man, that was, that was gaslighting or, oh my gosh, like he just turned that boundary around and like got out of it. So don't you agree? Like we cannot do this by ourselves in the beginning. I do, I do, I do agree. And I also want to, like, I recently had a conversation with somebody who was like, I hear all these people talking about needing groups, 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 and other people, and I don't have a group. And so does that mean I'm not healing? Does that mean like, I'm not going to heal at all? Like, so I, I do agree because man, I got in a group pretty much immediately and they kept my head above water after life blew up for me. So, um, man, I do agree was so helpful. Um, but I also want to catch those women who are listening, who are like, I don't have a group. I don't know how to have a group, or I tried a group and it didn't go well, or I'm scared of groups. And so I do want to catch those women and say, is healing possible? Absolutely. Is it going to be harder to do it on your own? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if they're not in a group, then listening to these podcasts, then reading the books, then, and getting your feet underneath you. And then I would encourage everybody. There are, there are healthy, um, safe, compassionate groups out there. Um, starting with yours, right? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Right. So there are groups out there. So I would encourage, but I also want to say that if you're not one in yet, don't feel like, Oh, like I, nothing I've done has mattered. 
Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and also getting a coach or a therapist who's betrayal trauma trained, like yes. it, it's mm-hmm. the ideal would be kind of riding a tricycle, right? A group, mm-hmm. a coach and, or a therapist, and then having your peer, your peer buddies that you can like bounce things off of that. Oh, I like that. We, yeah. If we don't have that, it does become a lot more difficult. Totally. And I think for the marriage, I don't know how marriages uh, heal through this or particularly men uh, get sober and get healthy. I don't know how they do that if they don't have uh, a counselor or a coach who really knows it's, how to do this. I don't, no, you I don't have know how that's to, possible. Because they, it's an attachment disorder that, you know, it's forms out of the attachment wounds and isolation. They have to be connected to other people. I mean, we're created for that connection. We all need that. Betrayal is so isolating and Mm. it is so easy to like, just kind of curl up and and isolate ourselves, but we really, really need each other. Tammy, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add about this topic of boundaries that you feel like maybe you haven't said yet? No, I think I just want to go back to that compassion piece of like, you know what? Give it your best shot. This is not, again, we're not going per, for perfection. You you do the best that you can, and then you learn from it. And if it doesn't go well, that's fine. You regroup and you go back in and have compassionate people around you as best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are worth it. You yes. are worth having boundaries. Your safety matters. Your heart mm-hmm. matters. You are worth it. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, You guys will find Tammy's website in our show notes if you want to learn more about her. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, Tammy. I know everybody's going to benefit a ton from listening to what you have to say. Oh, it's been an honor. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. And you guys, before you go, would you take a moment to rate the Living Truth Podcast? and write a review. This helps more people be able to find our podcast and get the help and the hope and the healing that they need. And until the next episode, I am holding out hope for you.